What is going on, everybody? And welcome to another spring practice reports video. I am going to do my best to get through a ton of great uh, practice updates that we've got here for you guys today. Um, as you can hear, I'm sure my voice is a little gone. I've been dealing with uh, a little bit of the flu over the past couple days. Uh, but it's Matt here back again, one of the co-founders of CampusDecant.com. This is the spring practice reports for Monday, March 21st. We're going to go in and take care of some of the stuff that happened over the weekend as well, including the Missouri spring game where Luther Burden went off. So let's go take a ride around the country to some of the updates in the spring practice reports. <music> Before we go to Missouri, I do want to head back to Florida. I feel like we've been spending a lot of time there, but that quarterback battle is very intriguing. We do know that Emory Jones has already left the team. He entered the transfer portal, and we talked, I believe it was on Friday, that some of the quarterbacks were not necessarily impressing. Well, in Friday and Saturday's practice, Anthony Richardson was all of the talk. He looked really impressive around Florida, um, and it seems that he is pulling away from that job just a little bit as Jack Miller seems to be struggling. Now on to Missouri, who did have their spring game on Saturday, and boy, did Luther Burden continue to stand out. Obviously, we all know five-star recruit. I talked a little bit about him in the first couple practices that Missouri had and how he was going above and beyond everything that they were asking of him. While the official stats were not recorded for this game, the reports are that Burden went well over 100 receiving yards on the day. He looked like the quickest guy out on the field and, in all honesty, was incredible in open space. However, he was not the only player that stood out. Dominic Lovett was also a player that was getting a lot of praise. He had a receiving touchdown as well. It was believed to be about a 62-yard reception where he reversed field and dodged several tacklers on his way to the end zone. The Tigers will have what looks to be a running back by committee approach as multiple backs here bring different skill sets in. Stanford transfer Nathaniel Pete was the best all-around back Saturday, while Elijah Young and Michael Cox and bruiser Cody Schrader all provide a nice mix. Uh, it does seem like Nathaniel Pete is the favorite, but I do think you have to be a little bit worried. As we know, Tyler Batty was kind of the guy for this rushing offense. I don't know that that's, we're going to see anybody get that kind of workload here for the next season, but Pete definitely seems to be the leader here. Quarterback is definitely still a big question mark. Both Tyler Macon and Brady Cook looked respective uh, as, as their team starters this past weekend, but both through picks early on did seem to settle on here. Uh, no, there does not seem to be a clear-cut starter right now, at least between the two of them, and there's still a lot of buzz that when Sam Horn enters um, this summer – that he has a chance to jump up and take this job in the fall. I would be surprised if that happens. I'm still a big fan of Sam Horn, but I do feel like Tyler Macon or Brady Cook likely win this job. But the fact that they keep bringing up Sam Horn as a guy who could come in and win this uh, win this job is intriguing to me, um, especially because this Mizzou offense looks like it's going to be downright explosive. Um, there is obviously another wrinkle to throw in here at the quarterback position. JT Daniels was there Saturday 
Saturday for the game. And Mizzou is one of the final teams in the mix to land him. Um, still currently in the transfer portal. He will not make his decision, unfortunately, until after the spring semester at Georgia is complete because that is when he will graduate. So we likely won't know where he is going anytime soon. But JT Daniels, if he could stay healthy, could be a very interesting player here as well. I think Oregon State's the best fit for him, if I'm being honest, but Mizzou could be an interesting one. Going to Pac-12 country here, Stanford. Uh, Stanford is a team that the Pac-12, uh, I feel like, is being overlooked just because of how bad they were last season. They still have some interesting pieces moving around here that I do think could also be very interesting for fantasy. The biggest takeaway and everything I read about the Stanford practices was EJ Smith running with the ones and is the presumed starter as of right now. He's a player who I do believe has a three down back potential. So I'm really curious to see if he holds on to the job. Reports coming out of the camp was that EJ Smith was having really good runs every single practice. Michael Wilson had a dominant spring so far as has Elijah Higgins, who is really coming along well. Michael Wilson, Elijah Higgins, both wide receivers. Um, they are saying that he, uh, Michael Wilson is the fastest that he has ever looked. Uh, so he is getting a lot of praise. Tanner McKee, not so much. Um, they said that he's looked good, but hasn't had necessarily a real standout practice, has thrown a couple interceptions. Right now, though, throughout the practices, the top players have been Tanner McKee with Ari Patu, backing him up on the second team. EJ Smith running with the ones with Caleb Robinson at the twos. And then wide receivers, Michael Wilson, Elijah Higgins, and Bryce Farrell running with the ones with Colby Bowman, Silas Starr, and David Casa Mervis running with the twos. So again, you know, we we not I do expect Stanford's offense to bounce back a little bit compared to what it was last season. Not necessarily betting on any of these guys, but EJ Smith. Again, he's a guy who who's going late in C2C drafts. Uh, was a very highly rated recruit. Obviously, some of that on his name being um Oh my God, Emmett Smith's son. I don't know what I was going to call Michael Smith. Emmett Smith's son, uh, but he is looking really good in camp, and I believe he does have a three down skill set. Going to go back to Cincinnati. We have not talked about them much since the first couple practice reports, but it does look like the QB race in Cincinnati is as tight as ever, which is really intriguing to me. And we probably will not know who's going to win this job until the season rolls around. However, the reports are is that when it comes to the drills or routes or seven-on-sevens, it is Ben Bryant who looks the best. The way he stands in the pocket, surveys the field, and more often than not puts the ball exactly where it needs to be. His accuracy and arm talent has been what they are saying is quote-unquote special. However, when these two begin practices with pads on and the defense is, uh, is allowed to tighten up and kind of come after the quarterbacks, that is when Evan Prater has flashed. He does his best when things break down. He gets outside the pocket and is either ex able to extend plays with his legs or finds a way to make a play with his arm. Evans has a knack for just making plays when the bullets are flying and that cannot be discounted. Um, he does have a toughness and leadership about him as well in this camp is what the reports are saying. So, Everyone that I've read and everything that I've heard is saying that we're really not likely going to know until right around. Um, they have their first game in, on September 3rd in Fayetteville. Reports are we're not going to know who the starter is going to be until then. So that's going to be really intriguing. I, I'm, I imagine that's to make sure that neither one of these guys transfers out if they announce beforehand. Uh, but this battle, just all the reports are that it is extremely tight and that both are looking really good in different parts of practice. So I don't know that you can really narrow down one starter, whether it's going to be Bryant or Prater. 
Going to UCF, which is also another interesting quarterback battle here. Uh, Gus Malzahn has been kind of talking about three quarterbacks here competing for the starting job. You have incumbent starter Mikey Keene, who is in the lead. And according to everything Gus Malzahn is saying, it will have to be unseated by John Reese Pumley, who's a transfer from Ole Miss, or Thomas Castellanos. While both Castellanos and Reese Plumley seem to fit more what Malzahn typically has had, Keen has been playing well, according to all reports coming out of camp, and him and Plumley are both splitting time at the once, and there are reports that they believe both could see playing time in Week 1. However, Castellanos has, is, while considered the third option, apparently has been the most impressive at camp. There are many that believe he is the best of the three, and all reports are that while he's firmly in the third spot right now, he may not stay there throughout the season. Going to Notre Dame, Tyler Buckner and Drew Pine continue to split reps, but Buckner is considered the front runner as of now. Uh, just some quotes from him. He's excited about being back for another season and said he learned a lot from last fall. He's definitely in a much better place than he was in last season, but he does believe there's a lot that he can improve on. Virginia Tech read all these reports about these QB battles and said, hold my beer. They're taking this to a whole nother level as Virginia, Virginia Tech is rotating six quarterbacks to start out spring camp. Jason Brown, Grant Wells, Connor Bolmrick, Taj Bullock, Devin Farrell and Ben Locklear are all in the competition, according to Pry and offensive coordinator Tyler Bowen. Both are continually saying this is wide open to all six of them. They did just open camp two days ago. Brown, Wells, Bolrick, Balmrick have all rotated evenly in competitive periods of practice. So they did say all six, those four have been kind of rotating with the ones in the competitive parts. The lone bright spot, um, as I should have started with, all of them have struggled mightily, according to the reports. But the lone bright spot was a deep throw from Grant Wells to Caleb Smith, who made a nice diving grab in the end zone after getting separation at the line and beating his man downfield. However, Wells was one for five against the defense. Bolmrick was one for four. Neither completion went to a receiver, and the period resulted in more ups more up-downs for the offense. It was not looking pretty. Price said that some of the struggles were to be expected, particularly in the vertical passing game, as all these guys are learning a new offense. So, no real separation or no real indication on who the leader is going to be there. But again, six quarterbacks in the running there at Virginia Tech. Uh, definitely something to watch moving forward. Going over to Wake Forest, uh, Wake may be the one team or one of the better teams that is really kind of being completely overlooked so far this year. They kicked off their spring practice a couple days ago, and to no one's surprise, Sam Hartman is looking really good. In fact, reports are that his arm looks even stronger than last year. They've been passing the ball all over the field. While we already know A.T. Perry is going to get the ball and likely ball out, Wide receivers Dez Williams and Jamal Banks are the other two wide receivers who are continually getting open and making great catches so far this spring camp. So two guys to pay attention to. While we all know A.T. Perry is going to get the ball, the fact that they're already talking about Dez Williams and Jamal Banks I think is something to pay attention to as A.T. Perry can't get the ball on every play. Last but not least for today, I wanted to go over to Memphis who opened their practice up yesterday. What I wanted to go to Memphis to talk about is some interesting stuff that I read today is that they opened up saying that there is a quarterback battle here. I, for one, was 
I, for one, honestly thought this was for sure Sam Hennigan's job with the year that he had last year. However, all the reports are saying that this is an open competition, and they believe with what they saw beginning of last year is that Grant Gannell is a good quarterback. They are not guaranteeing Seth Hennigan the job. Now, this may just be lip service to kind of keep some depth on the roster, practically meaning keeping Gunnell there. But I did find it very interesting that they did not back Hennigan right away or saying that this is an open competition between the two. They did split first reps, or not, I'm sorry, they did not split first reps. Both got first reps, but Hennigan did get more than Gunnell. Running backs and wide receiver, also some interesting question marks for the Memphis Tigers this season. We don't know who at this moment will step up with Calvin Austin being gone and going into the NFL. He was a CFF wide receiver one last year. And while we still have not gotten any news on Brandon Thomas and his injury, although I don't think it bodes well for him in the fact that Northern Illinois sophomore transfer Javion Ducker played and was catching passes from Hennigan with the ones he was out there the entire time. We have not seen or heard anything from Brandon Thomas, so that is something to be worried about, in my opinion. The fact that we still have no news since last season, what is going on with Brandon Thomas and what his injury was. That will do it for us today, but guys, make sure to stay tuned in for the next two weeks as we've got a ton of schools coming down the pipeline starting opening practices just tomorrow, Penn State, Texas, TCU, Baylor, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, Utah, and Wisconsin. More and more coming throughout the week, and we have spring games kicking off in in less than two weeks now at this point. So this is when spring practice really starts picking up. We might even start going live some on the weekends with all these schools kicking off here in the next two weeks. Again, a lot of schools I'm really excited to hopefully get some news out of next uh, tomorrow with Penn State, Texas, TCU, Baylor, Ole Miss, Texas Tech, Utah, and Wisconsin kicking off. Ohio State went back to practice again today. They took a spring break off. So a ton of news likely coming out of some of the bigger schools that we are really intrigued about. So make sure to stay tuned in. Hit that subscribe button. Hit the bell icon so you know when all these videos go live. Um, And now that hopefully my mic issues have been fixed, we will uh, be putting this in podcast form at the end of every single week as well. So everybody, thank you guys so much for tuning in to the Spring Practice Report. We will catch you guys again at live tomorrow at 7 o'clock Central. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another Spring Practice Report episode. It is Tuesday, March 22nd, and we have a ton of schools opening up practice today. It's it's a little bit ridiculous. We've got a lot of uh, very interesting notes, still a lot of uh, stuff that could happen over the next couple of days. For those of you who don't know how a lot of these teams kind of uh, schedule out their spring practices, they usually do like a day on, day off, day on, day off, as they're only allowed 15 practices before they get to their spring game. So again, a ton of schools opened up their spring practices today. Um, I was trying to pull it up here. So We're looking at over 20, 20 schools opened up their spring practices today. Uh, Some very interesting ones that I really wanted to touch on. So went in, dove a little bit, listened to some interviews, read a bunch of stuff. Um, So here we'll jump in through Texas, TCU, Utah, ton of different schools today. So let's jump in. Let's take a ride around the country. All right, so we are going to start with Texas. I have uh, been all in on the Quinn Ewers train here. And while he did get some props, um, obviously 
really, I guess there's no surprise, right? Like there's, there's, this is the big thing. Is it going to be Quinn or is it going to be Hudson card who is still there? Steve Sarkeesian said that he has been pleased with the way that both quarterbacks have handled themselves so far this off season. Um, the big thing he is looking for right now is an understanding of the offense and managing a play-by-play and and just different scenarios, understanding defenses, coverages, like everything. Uh, Obviously, he was asked a lot of questions about Quinn Ewers. He said that he's done a good job of digesting the offense, said he looked great in practice but wasn't perfect, um, but did show a decent understanding of everything going on. Um, He does believe that Ewers' experience and learning of offense at Ohio State last year definitely helped him in progression and really kind of understanding things here. He said Ohio State runs a really good offensive system, um, and it really has helped him understand the Texas offense here. Said that uh, Ewers has been a a cool customer, but not a too cool for school type of guy, whatever the hell that means. But it is technically an open competition between him and Hudson Card. Um, you know, that that's probably good news for for my good friend Colin Decker, who is has been a major Hudson Card fan. Um, I still think it's probably Ewers that wins this. He's just super talented. Uh, but it is not a, an open and closed, hey, Quinn Ewers is the guy. Uh, a couple other notes here from around uh, the thing here, let's see here. What was the uh, other Ewers note? Yeah, just again, that they're going to be rotating back and forth between the two. So it, it is not Ewers' job as of yet. Jaleel Billingsley, who transferred over here, um, has looked natural and comfortable in the first practice, according to Steve Sarkeesian. Um, he understands him and knows Billingsley well from their time at Alabama. He also went out of his way to mention that Isaiah Nayor was looking good. Why does that matter? Because Troy O'Meary, Felix Sharp's guy, um, is not expected to be available for any of spring. So he is still dealing with a knee injury. Not expected to be back at all during spring practice. Not good news for him as he's trying to make his way up through the twos here. Uh, Wide receiver coach Brennan Marion said that... uh, Jordan Winnington has looked good out there, and it looks like a tremendous technician for whatever that means. Uh, but they really like what he has done. And then they did go and talk about B. John Robinson as well, said that he's showing more leadership and has been more positive about the team. Uh, they are trying to empower their leaders, and B. John Robinson is definitely one of them. You know, there was a lot of concern. We talked a lot about this after he injured his, I believe it was his elbow or his arm. Can't remember, but he broke one uh, late in the season last year. Will B. John Robinson sit out this season uh, just due to him trying to secure the bag? He is one of those guys that I think is one of the very few running backs that has that first-round draft capital. Doesn't sound like it, at least right now. I mean, he he's a leader on the team from what they're saying, and he's really kind of showing a lot of positivity and leadership here early on. Uh, so Bijan looking for a big bounce-back season. Go on up to the Big Ten in Penn State. This was very interesting to me, and I will point this out. I said this yesterday when I talked a little bit about Memphis and Seth Hennigan and Grant Gano battling for the quarterback job. Sometimes when these coaches say certain things, it is definitely lip service. They want people to feel like they've gotten a shot to win these jobs and everything. And now while I don't expect Drew Waller to transfer out if he doesn't win this job, 
James Franklin talked a lot today about how having both of their five-star players and Drew Aller and Nicholas Singleton in early for spring is huge for their success and for them being able to push for playing time. Talked a lot about this in an interview. Now, Christian, and I don't know how to say his last name. Uh, I think it's Velux. Velux, I don't know. Currently is running with the twos, while Boo, Papribla, and Aller are running with the threes. But... They will definitely see how this whole thing shakes out. Right now, there's a big emphasis on spring ball, and they're going to make sure that everybody is getting reps with the ones and being evaluated. Before we move on to the running backs, I do want to mention, I have not seen or heard anything about Drew Aller hurting his knee in high school or leading up to this. He did have a, a, a bulky knee brace on his, I believe it was his right knee, uh, in some of the videos out there, you can go search them. I'll, I'll try and retweet it here in a minute if you guys are following me at Sports Fanatic MB. I'll retweet it after this uh, video is done. Not concerning, I guess, but as far as I know, there's been no news or, or anything pointing to an injury, so I'm not sure why he has the knee brace on. I mean, it wasn't hindering him. He didn't look like he was limping, but was just curious because I don't remember him wearing much of a knee brace in college that I can remember, so I'm not sure why he had that on. Something I'll have to go back and look at. Um, I could be wrong there. Just off the top of my head, I don't remember him wearing a knee brace. Anyways, on to the running backs. Uh, they will rotate running backs throughout the spring. Obviously, there's a lot of guys that have experience here and that have played a lot of football, but they do have two running backs coming in that they're very excited about. Their winter workouts, they tested them. Uh, they they looked really good. They were built for what they're building for right now. Um, right now, though, they're, they're just getting reps with one-on-ones in practice. They are unsure how it will go, but they are going to give everybody opportunities in live work and rotate them here throughout spring. And as they get closer to fall, they're really excited about the group. Not really going to commit to any one player right now. I'd be surprised if it's not Nicholas Singleton getting the workload here, but we'll see what happens. Um, they did say that they will feel better about uh, these quarterbacks after six or seven practices. Now, as I mentioned at the beginning of the episode, they get 15 of them. I meant to mention this a minute ago. This was the note I was looking for. James Franklin said, obviously, they know that they've recruited um, highly rated guys, and there's going to be a lot of talk about will Alar replace Clifford they're not going to make any kind of, of decision on that, but they'll know closer to six or seven practices in where these guys stand. They know that they have a bright future, but there's a chance that that future will be here sooner rather than later. That is definitely to be determined. So I do like that Franklin, who is a guy who typically leans on his vets, is kind of saying like, hey, if these guys look really good, like we're not afraid to go to our future, which is Alar and Singleton. You know, we'll see what happens. Does he actually do that again? Is this just lip service? I don't know, but I am damn excited that is at least giving some kind of notion that we might see a lot earlier than a lot of people are expecting because there are a lot of people who think we will not see Drew Aller at all this season. I have been on the opposite side of that. I think once they lose a game or two, we'll see him out there. Maybe we'll see him even before that. Uh, they did go out and talk about how typically – it takes time for wide receivers to adjust to a new offense, but they did say that Mitchell Tinsley and how mature he has been, and he already understands the offense. He's primed for a big spring. So that's good for anybody who is who is high on Mitchell Tinsley uh, coming over here in the transfer portal. Looks like him and Parker Washington are going to be the guys. Going back to the Big 12 and TCU, yet another quarterback battle to watch. 
New head coach Sonny Dykes has said that Max Dugan, because he is older and more experienced, will be taking the first team reps. Uh, Chandler Morris went second, uh, but did specify that this is not necessarily Max Dugan's job. Sam Jackson seems to be locked in as a third QB and made some very good plays today, showed a live arm, but Dugan and Chandler are really the ones who are competing for the one. Quentin Johnson added weight this offseason and looked explosive today. He ran exclusively out of the X with Quincy Brown at the Z, and Tay and Darius were in the slot. Quinston had a really good practice. Uh, He hauled in several deep passes and looked explosive and fast, even while adding all the weight. Trent Battle is now moving to running back. We did see that Miller was working with the ones and Amani was with the twos. So Miller, Keandre Miller, a guy that a lot of people are very high on, does seem to be with the ones, Amani with the twos. But Trent Battle has now switched to running back and will be playing there. Going over to the Pac-12. Utah had an incredible season last year and is looking to repeat their success. They're looking to win the Pac-12 yet again and have a decent amount of their team returning. Cameron Rising, the incumbent starter, doesn't really seem like anybody is going to challenge him as of right now. Jaquindon Jackson, who transferred there last year, was actually being used a little bit at running back today, and it is a guy that they expect to be moved around all around the offense. Nate Johnson, the freshman quarterback we at Campus to Canton are very high on, won't enroll until the summer, so we're not going to see much out of him. Definitely looks like Cameron Rising is, is set to be the guy here for the Utes. Interesting note here, though, and I just saw this. I've not had a chance to look at him, but Nate Johnson's brother, Jonathan Johnson, is an early enrollee, and this kid is massive. He is listed at 6'2", 278, and will be playing running back for the Utah Utes. I have no idea how that is going to work. But it sure as hell sounds fun, being 6'2 and 278 playing running back. Another note on running back here, Tavian Thomas, who looked really good at the end of last season, um, is up to 238 pounds coming into spring. He did not look that big in the photos, but I'm curious to see if the weight gain will slow him down at all. Uh, receiver is kind of being talked about as a major need for the Utes, and the coaching staff is talking about them probably attacking the transfer portal, looking for someone after spring practices, assuming some wide receivers will hit the portal after not winning some of these jobs. Last but not least for today, we're going back to the SEC and talking about Ole Miss, where another heated QB battle is going on. Lane Kiffin said all three guys have a chance. I don't necessarily believe this, but I'll get to the two that I do think are really battling. Always in these things, it would be best for you to know as early as possible from the standpoint of the team and everybody knowing, but they do not want to rush this. Um, They did say this is not going to go on forever. Ideally, you never want to go into the season and not know where someone stands and where they'll be playing. Uh, They will make the right decision, but they want more time and more input, more information uh, before they do this. Um, They don't have preseason games, so they're trying to be patient, but also kind of hurried in the process is, is kind of what Lane Kiffin hinted at. It is being hinted at that Dart is the leader, but that Luke Altmaier will definitely be challenging for this job. The interesting thing for me is we know Lane Kiffin has been calling this offense um, all the way back in his FAU days and here at Ole Miss. 
Charlie Weiss Jr. will actually now, starting this season, be calling the plays. However, Lane Kiffin still has veto power if there is a play that he really doesn't like. But again, Charlie Weiss Jr. calling the plays here. Very, very interesting change here for Lane Kiffin. Um, and the chances are that there's going to be three new running backs here for the Ole Miss Rebels. <clears throat> Excuse me. Zach Evans, who transferred in along with Bentley, Ulysses Bentley, who just transferred in from SMU, and then true freshman Quinson Jud- Quinn Sean Judkins, who has already been there for the past couple of weeks, are all there in spring practice. What I did find very interesting, we're all very high on Zach Evans, but Bentley was the one that Kiffin was talking about. He said Bentley reminds him a lot of Devin Singletary, whom he had at FAU. He said he had some good runs that looked springy and had very unique timing when he was running. We know he's a very good receiving back as well. And at times we've seen Lane Kiffin use two to three running backs at, at different times in his offense. So I expect Zach Evans to get the bulk of the work, but Ulysses Bentley will be used. Let's see what happens with Quinshawn Judkins, who's a guy that I've been very high on for a while now. Um, really like him as well. Very intriguing offense as, as everybody else has kind of left. Um, I can't remember. Uh, obviously, Jerry on Ely went into the uh, to the NFL. I believe Snoop Connor did as well. Someone left as well as a transfer. So this room is wide open. These three guys are, are really kind of seem to be the, the top running backs here for the Ole Miss Rebels. So that will do it for us today, though. A lot of other big schools, but not a lot on Texas Tech right now. I believe they just wrapped up their practice about an hour ago, so there's not a lot of notes out there. Wisconsin, another team that opened up uh, today. I did not see much on, so we'll continue to watch those, and I'll I'll dive in more on those probably tomorrow's show to kind of give you guys some news. Uh, But that'll be it for today's show. Make sure to check back tomorrow again. Just 15, now 14 more practices for a lot of these teams as we get closer and closer to spring games before we head into summer where we're going to likely see a lot of, of transfers. It's a long next two uh, next two weeks are going to be big for a lot of these schools. I'll be back tomorrow with a lot more spring practice reports. Thank you guys so much for tuning in. Make sure to hit the subscribe button and, and give us a thumbs up. Comment below on some of the other spring news that you guys would like to hear, and we'll be back again tomorrow. What is going on, everybody, and welcome to another Spring Practice Report Show. It is Wednesday, March 23rd, and we've got some big schools that have opened up their practice reports and some very interesting tidbits that we are going to discuss. We are also going to, at the end of the show, jump into the just bombs after bombs that Brian Kelly dropped today at his news conference, and Spring Practice has not even started for the LSU Tigers. That starts tomorrow Let's go ahead and take a ride around the country and give you guys some more updates on spring practice. All right, we are going to head over to the SEC and start with Tennessee, where Josh Heupel and some of the other coaches are talking about first-year running back Justin Williams-Thomas. Hypel said that the running backs as a group are going to be led right now by Jabari Small and sophomore Jalen Wright, and that both looked good. However, Justin Williams-Thomas is the guy who has really stood out here for the Vols. They have liked the energy that he brings. He has been explosive, and when he is in pads, he is getting really good yardage in short area situations, short yardage situations. Um, They do think that he needs to become a little bit of a better pass blocker, but they were just 
completely talking up Justin Williams Thomas here, um, who is not the running back that I thought they were going to be hyping up. So very interesting here. They are only, um, I believe today is their second practice. So only two days into practice here, but he is getting uh, a lot of love from the coaching staff. So guy that you may want to look at again, he's got Jabari small ahead of him, who I think we all expect to be the starter there uh, for the Vols. But the fact that he is, is getting so much uh, talk, not just again from Heupel, but from all of the coaching staff, like they all talked about him. They said, uh, where was it? I was trying to, find his exact quotes i mean just that he let's see here i just had it and i and i cannot find it anymore but anyways he's a four-star prospect um 283rd overall player 24th running back in the 2022 class they did actually talk to thomas today as well he said i'm a good leader on and off the field uh and he is a high energy guy he's going to compete for everything in front of him doesn't matter if he's the first second third fourth or fifth string guy someone goes down he knows that he's got a chance to step up and they are just talking about how much they love his attitude and everything going on. He is one of the early enrollees for Tennessee, obviously. Um, and they again, they just said that they love the way he's approached the offseason. He's such a fierce competitor. And you can see in just a short time, like how far he's come and how good he looks compared to the other guys. Like they said, he looked right as good as Jabari Small and Jalen Wright during the open portions of practice. So, Justin Williams Thomas, a guy you need to watch out for in the Tennessee uh, running back backfield. We're going to head over next to Colorado State, where Jay Norvell has taken over, um, formerly over at Nevada, and there is definitely a lot of excitement right now up in Fort Collins due to what Norvell was able to do as a offensive-minded head coach. Well, in their first two practices, that is apparently not disappointed. Clay Millen, the transfer quarterback, Austin Nace's guy last season, has been airing out the ball all over the field. They're saying that he can absolutely sling it and looks really, really good. He's also connecting well with transfer wide receiver Torrey Horton and incumbent starter Dante Wright. This offense could seriously be one of the ones to really invest in for CFF purposes. I don't think any of these guys are getting drafted that highly. And the fact that we saw what Carson Strong was able to do with Cole Turner, Romeo Dubs, Elijah Cooks, and how good they were. And now you've got him going to Colorado State with bringing Clay Millen with him because Clay Millen was committed to Nevada. That was one of the reasons why why Austin pumped him up so much last offseason was, hey, grab this guy who's going to be the guy for Jay Norvell in the Nevada offense. Well, now he just takes that and goes to Colorado State. Um, likely they're going to play, I mean, for the most part, weaker competition they're gonna be able to air it out over there like i'm i'm really excited to see what clay millen and these guys can do and they're already doing that in practice so just wheels up for everything colorado state right now i'm sure my my brother who is a colorado state alum loves hearing that he was actually side story the one who told me um after they got just trounced by colorado back in the day with philip Lindsay, the one that told me to go look for philip Lindsay back in the day one of my best uh, first calls in, in this industry but yeah all in on clay millen tory horton and dante Wright, who are looking absolutely amazing so far for through the first couple practices at colorado state Next up, we are going to the state of Oklahoma. We're going to talk about the Sooners and the Oklahoma State Cowboys. 
Venables has come in and is already starting a new era in Oklahoma. They have said that he has not skipped a beat with just kind of like how no nonsense he is and how much he's been yelling all about perfection there in his first day, which did their practice did start today. Mostly going to talk about the RB room here today as I do think it is full of intriguing players. Uh, reports out of camp today are Eric Gray was apparent has apparently added good weight and looks smooth when running the ball in drills. It appears he is the leader, at least for now. Freshman Gavin Sawchuk was on hand with his family, but I don't believe he's enrolled yet, so he was not practicing. Um, if you follow Nate Marquise um, at CFF, Nate, uh, one of the guys on our CFF team, he has um, got close connections to the Oklahoma school and staff, and he's kind of been talking about this stuff with Sawchuk. And Javante Barnes, who, as it was described, looked freaking dynamic. Um, and and again, Nate Marchese has been saying that for for weeks now, possibly even months. If I'm being honest, that that he is just that he's the guy. He looks really good. So Javante Barnes, I mean, I have been pumping up Gavin Sawchuk a lot. I do think he's a really good back, but he may be losing a spot that I thought he could take over once Eric Gray leaves. Um, and, and Javante Barnes may be the guy. A couple other notes here, really quick. Highly touted wide receiver, wide receiver Jaden Gibson apparently is absolutely enormous. He towers over the rest of the Sooners wideouts, and when you get a glimpse of it, the size discrepancy between him and literally every other receiver on the roster, there it's tough to figure out how he's not going to be the red zone guy this year. A lot of talk about that. Theo Weiss was back out there, and he does look like he is back up to speed. The redshirt junior hasn't practiced fully since suffering the foot injury last August, but it does appear that he hasn't lost a step in the little stuff that he did today, which lines up with what everybody has been saying from Oklahoma about his recovery. There is little doubt that Nick Evers is going to be at least the QB2 for the Sooners. They said that he looked confident and comfortable out there today passing the ball and was throwing with an uncanny zip. So, Evers is a guy that I really like. I would be very surprised if he starts this year just because of the connection there with Gabriel um, and and how good I think Gabriel is as a college quarterback and what he can do in this offense. But uh, I think the the future is bright for Oklahoma with Nick Evers. He's constantly moving for me between quarterback five and six in this class. It's him and Cade Klubnik. I keep flip-flopping back and forth on five and six. Um, And last but not least, just a little bit more on Javante Barnes. Um, the, the word was if you had shown up to practice and didn't know who Javante Barnes was, you would have figured the guy wearing the number two jersey had already been a collegiate athlete for a couple years. His strength and conditioning program has clearly prepared him. He is physically prepared to be a running back guy and someone they lean on this year. And they said that his juice when he burst off the line is really, really good. So again... Javante Barnes, his stock is just shooting way up. And Gavin Sawchuk, whether, again, that's because of how much I've talked about him, where we have him ranked in the freshman guide, he is getting drafted miles ahead of Javante Barnes. And and Barnes is a guy getting all the love out of camp. I think we need to start switching the narrative here that Javante Barnes is the guy you want in that backfield, and it's not Gavin Sawchuk. And, again, that really hurts me to say that out loud. Over at Oklahoma State, they also started up their spring practice today. Not a lot coming out of there, uh, but a couple keynotes that I wanted to touch on. Four-star freshman Garrett Rangel, um, or Rangel looked good um, passing the ball. 
doubt that he really takes a job from redshirt senior Spencer Sanders, who also looked comfortable and accurate out there, been through this a couple times, but they just want, I did want to point out that Garrett Ringhill did look really good. Like they talked about how good he looked throwing the ball on and off platform. Four-star freshman running backs, Ollie Gordon and CJ Brown both have great size and they just began their spring camp or spring training, spring training. We're not talking about baseball here, folks, spring practice. Um, They both looked good. And one person that stood out, four-star freshman wide receiver, Talon Cetron, stood out, great hands, made some incredible catches in drills. There's already they're already saying even with a stacked receiver room, there's no reason why Shetron should not work his way into the rotation just based on how he looked today in spring practice. So, just again, Talon Cetron, Cetron, he was a guy Austin talked about very early on was one of his higher ranked wide receivers, uh, a guy that uh, is is really looking good here in in practice one uh joseph i do not have anything on jaleel farouk but i can definitely look into that and and update you guys on him tomorrow um last but not least before we get out of here lsu uh obviously they don't even begin their spring practice until tomorrow but brian kelly for some reason took the podium today to discuss kind of him the new program where it's heading and and much like everything else he's done this offseason has definitely drawn a lot of eyeballs both good and bad um, he did discuss the transfer portal. He said that is not how he wants to build out the LSU program. He is definitely going to address some holes on the team this year with that, but that's not something that they plan on leaning on every single year. Then, obviously, the big news, Boutte. You guys may have been see- seeing the quotes kind of rolling around out there on the interwebs, and that is that Boutte's road to co- recovery has been bumpy. Between the coaching changes and the second surgery and his rehabilitation process, the relationship between Kelly and Boutte is very early on. Kelly is is now, I, I think, going to famously be known for saying, I would say I know at least his last name right now. Um, they are working together. They're trying to re-engage him in the process. He's been injured, and he did have a second surgery, but they are getting acquainted more and more every day. He did also go on to say, because I didn't see this get put anywhere else, He's a great player. He's a good kid, but it's been a rough spot for him. What happens is you tend to get distracted when you are not involved in everything going on. He's learning that he has to be involved in everything, whether you are injured or not. That's a process he's going through, and we are seeing some really good changes. So the other stuff that I was able to find from people on the LSU staff and do not take this as gospel because it's not confirmed anywhere. This is just based on things that I've read on there. They're saying that the good part is that the surgery was a success and that he is making good progress. He was there today in a walking boot, and that's really the most important part. The rest of this stuff will work out between the two of us, and I'm not that hard-headed. He's a good player. So again, that's coming from Brian Kelly, saying that obviously surgery was success. He's in a boot. He's there. What I read from people who are on staff and again none of this confirmed so take this with a grain of salt or however you want to put it they're saying that it was just a broken ankle which is obviously good we we heard many rumors that it could have been something worse they're saying that the second surgery was to clean something up through the recovery but it was nothing serious he is still in a walking boot they are expecting him to be ready by august and and i don't think that they're expecting him to go anywhere either I think the biggest concern is will Boutte play? We have talked about this on Debbie Debate multiple times, and I don't want to just compare him to Jamar Chase because obviously he opted out because of COVID. 
but he had proven what he was and the NFL didn't take a second look at that. I think I've, I've said it. I know Austin said it. I'm, Felix might've even said it. There's a lot of people who will tell you Keyshawn Boutte has been more impressive in his two years than what Jamar Chase did in his two. I would seriously consider if there's a chance that Boutte sits. Now, again, word is he'll be ready by August. He is in a walking boot. Surgery was successful, was just a broken ankle. So let's see what happens moving forward. No reason to panic right now. If you're in a C2C league, I'm definitely not panicking. At worst, you don't get him on your college roster this year. There's no doubt in my mind he's going to be a first-round pick. The only thing that maybe changes that is JSN jumps him because he goes out there and has a great year with Ohio State. But then Butte's still going to be a number one pick as long as he shows up at the combine pro day, you know, practices with the teams and shows, hey, he's fully healthy, clears the medicals, and then goes out there and balls. So I am not worried about anything with Butte. The big question will be whether or not you get him on your college roster this year, in my opinion, because it sounds like everything else is good. Um, and to be honest, with as, as conservative as Brian Kelly's offense is, I don't know that it would be a bad thing if Butte sits anyways, because I don't know that he's going to put up the numbers he has the past couple seasons. So. Anyways, that'll do it for us today. We will be back tomorrow with more spring practice reports. I had a couple other big schools. I forgot off the top of my head who they were now. I guess I could really kind of scroll through and find them that do open up practice tomorrow. You've got Mississippi State, LSU, as I just mentioned, are kind of the big ones that open up tomorrow. So we will definitely dive in more of that if we hear anything else about what's going on at LSU. Um, there was talks about Jaden Daniels as well, uh, that he likes him and thinks that he can progress and that. We'll talk more about that tomorrow as LSU does open up their camp. So we will see everybody tomorrow. Have a great day. What is going on, everybody? Welcome to another spring practice report. It is Thursday, March 24th. We are nearing the end of March, which means we are getting closer and closer to spring practices. Maybe we actually have a spring game tomorrow. I think it's San Jose State. Anyways, not a lot of news today. A lot of teams are just getting back to practice today or tomorrow. So a lot of the notes and reports have not been updated. Most of those don't come out till later in the afternoon. So I've only got a couple schools for you guys today. It'll be a nice quick one. We'll try and dive deeper in here for sure on Friday. So let's take a ride around the country and get you guys some updates on some spring reports. <laughs> All right, so we're going to start at Arizona State. I uh, haven't gone back there really since the first day that they opened up, and it seems like Trenton Borguo, I really don't know how to say his name, is taking most of the first-team reps as of right now. Daniel Nagata seems to be leading the backfield for now as the running back one, and then the top wide receivers have been Brian Thompson, Ricky Persall, Elijah Badger, and Jalen Conyers, who I believe has been in at tight end. Some people had asked, so I did as much digging as I could, about L.V. Bunkley-Shelton, a guy that uh, Austin really liked last year and a wide receiver that most of us over at campus can't like. So he did participate today in uh, warm-ups and stuff with the first team on periods, but he is being actually extremely limited, and it looks like it's due to some sort of injury, but they have not led on to anything. They have not said anything. So this is just guessing, but he was out there. He did do warm-ups. He was out there with the team warm-ups as well, according to the reports, and he was doing all that with the first team. So I imagine that LV Bunkley-Shelton, who in my opinion is probably the best out of all of them, maybe he's right there with Badger, but I expect him to kind of probably be the one 
but we don't have any idea of what exactly is holding him back or why he's not on the field. So something to watch. We'll continue to check back in with Arizona State. Going up to Boston College, again, another team I haven't checked in on in a while. Phil Dracovic and Zay Flowers are just absolutely dominating in spring practice from uh, everything I'm reading. Jaleelan Gill has also been doing very well along with C.J. Burton. A couple guys that I'm going to be honest with you, I have not really heard or, or seen much talked about. Dante Reynolds, who has scored multiple touchdowns during spring practices. Now he is running with the second team offense, but he has looked good. So has Tajay Johnson. So a couple of guys there with Boston College that you may want to look at. Um, you know, there's not getting a ton of pub, but going back through the past couple practice updates, both Dante Reynolds and Tajay Johnson have been talked about being very good here for Boston College. So guys to look at, maybe snag at the end of your C2C rosters, I'm going to be honest with you. I don't know. Um, obviously, the big concern is going to be what is this offense going to look like when Phil Dracovic leaves next season? Baylor. It is extremely hard to get any kind of information out of Baylor right now. The biggest thing I could get was Dave Aranda talking about Jerry Bohannon, who we know was a starter last year. I mean, Baylor had a very good season, a big upset of Oklahoma State. Just a really good season overall. Dave Aranda, one of the better coaches, in my opinion, all of college football. But Jerry Bohannon and Blake Sharpton are rotating reps at quarterback during spring. Um, Dave Aranda did say that Jerry needs to continue to improve. And Blake needs to come in and outplay Jerry if he wants a job. He's not making this decision anytime soon. And honestly, he says he will not make the decision until the end of spring. So take that for what it's worth. Um, you know, I don't know that it matters that much. I was really trying to dig in to see if I could get any RB news, obviously with Abram Smith being out. There's just not a lot coming out from, from Baylor right now. So something I'm going to be, that's a team I'm watching closely because I'm very intrigued what that offense is going to look like. And we may not get any more answers, unfortunately, until about the spring game, but we will continue to look again. Short episode for you guys today uh, because I've only got one other school to go to, but it's the big one. I was saving this. There's a lot of news that came out about this yesterday if you guys were tapped in. Washington State, Cameron Ward has been the talk right now of Twitter after entering the transfer portal from Incarnate Ward coming over here. And a lot of people have been giving some of us over at C2C a little bit of crap for having him so high in our rankings. Again, I understand it's just spring practice, but I'm going to read you two days worth of, of notes here that I was able to compile. And according to everything I'm reading here, on day one, Cameron Ward wasted little time making it abundantly clear just how good he is. He took 90% of the reps on 7-on-7 seven seven and 11-on-11 11 11 drills. He completed 26 of 35 passes, which was 74%. And they said beyond that, everything he did was incredible. His ability to run, his movement in the movement in the pocket was smooth. His release was easy and fluid. He showed a lot of quick twitch ability. So on day one, Cameron Ward came through and played well. Then the reports for today's practice was that the defense looked really good except against Cameron Ward, who was also extremely solid again for day two. Completed 18 of 29 passes, 62% on today, and he was the only quarterback in the group that ran. I'm not even going to read the other three guys because they don't, I'm no, no offense, they just don't matter. Cameron Ward, we know, is going to be the starter. 
All the other quarterbacks that did, that ran through drills today were intercepted at least once. Cameron Ward was intercepted zero times. However, I do want to r- bring up the running backs really quick. Canton Kazor has looked good, as has Dylan Payne in the running back drills that they have been running. But Nakia Watson, transfer from Wisconsin, has been running with the first team both days for the most part. So I do think Watson's probably the running back to watch out for. The players that I really wanted to touch on are the wide receivers. Because if Cameron Ward's going to be tossing the ball a lot, which we expect at Washington State, obviously he's got the, the rushing upside as well. Um, it's not as great as, you know, he's not a massive rushing quarterback, but he does bring you some rushing upside. But it's his arm, right? And so with that, you want to have the guy that you can pair with him. Who Who is it? And Chris Moxley talked about this on Debbie Debate the other day, and I'm going to be honest with you, I don't remember the wide receiver he mentioned. But there's two wide receivers who are absolutely dominating the first two days at practice, and that is Lincoln Victor and Donovan Ollie. Right now, both those guys are running with the ones, Lincoln Victor running with the ones at the Y position, Donovan Ollie at the Z, and then you got Drake Owen running as well at the H, at the halfback position. Now, why does this matter? I'm sorry, and at the halfback, and then an X is Deshaun Stribling, who I believe is who. Moxley said to go get why I'm telling you, maybe you want to go get Lincoln Victor Lincoln Victor in today's practice got six catches, all six of his targets. He caught Donovan Ali, the same thing, six and six on day one though. Um, Oh God, I just lost my note on day one. Victor dominated with 12 catches. Nobody else had over uh, seven, and that X person was Ali. Deshaun Stripling is not getting targeted for some reason by Cameron Ward, at least early on. Now, I'm not telling you to panic. Chris Moxley knows a lot more about CFF than I do. Maybe it's just taking Stripling a little bit of time to get to get involved here. But the two wide receivers who have really been standing out with Cameron Ward the past two days are Lincoln Victor and Donovan Ali. So I do think that's something to watch. And in all honesty, you could probably get all three of them because none of those guys are really getting drafted. You can grab all three of them late and then just watch and see what happens as we get closer. But those are the two guys that I'd be watching out for, if I'm being honest, based on everything I've read about the spring practice the past two days. They have just been absolutely dominating, along with Cameron Ward, who I believe is in the top 10 quarterbacks for all of us who rank over at C2C. So going to be very, very interesting to watch Washington State this year. That will do it for us today. I mean, again, like I said, really short spring practice report. We'll be back, though, tomorrow. I'm really might go live a little bit later than usual tomorrow because there's a lot of stuff like LSU, uh, Texas Tech. There's a lot of schools that I've been trying to get information on that didn't open their practices until today, Thursday. And a lot of them will not be giving updates until later tonight. So I'm going to try and really dig into a bunch of schools tomorrow. So we might have a little bit of a longer episode, but everybody enjoy Thursday. If you're a soccer fan, USA versus Mexico, baby, let's go. We need these three points, at least one in Stadio Azteca. Let's go. USA, baby. I will talk to you guys. What is up, everybody? Welcome to another spring practice report video. It is Friday, March 25th, and... We still, unfortunately, don't have a lot of news for you guys. We are going to attack a couple schools, including USC, who just kicked off their spring practice. I was honestly not aware that they uh, they were. Their reports were they were going to start later in the season, but they did just start up two days ago. 
unfortunately not much coming out of that outside of a Colin Cowherd tweet about them having the most perfect practice of all time and that going viral. But let's take a ride around the country to get you guys an update on some spring practice reports. All right, starting at USC, and both Miller Moss and Caleb Williams are splitting reps at the quarterback position, and they are at least right now saying that it's going to be a quote-unquote quarterback battle. So take that for what it is. Caleb Williams is likely winning this job, but um, I'm very interested to see what Miller Moss looks like. Um, I don't know if he would transfer out. Uh, There were some people who really liked him last year. Some of us did not. Uh, So I am just curious to see what the reports are of him at spring practice and if he gets a chance to play in some of the spring game later on next month, what he looks like, uh, because they are giving him equal reps. But, I mean, this is Caleb Williams' job. Um, I don't think any of us are under any kind of delusion that it's not. He will win the job, but they are at least right now splitting reps. And C.J. Williams, the freshman out of California, I believe out of Matter Day, could be wrong on that, was committed to Notre Dame, decommitted, now is at USC, has looked good in the first two practices. So again, seen a lot of these early enrollee freshmen looking good. Very curious to see if this trend continues. You know, the, really the only season we have not had freshmen produce is that COVID year. And I wonder, again, said it before and I'll continue to say it, I really think COVID hurt the development of a lot of those guys with CJ Williams, a wide receiver who I really like. He is a top 10 wide receiver for me in this recruiting class, uh, looking good so far in USC camp. Let's go on over to my favorite team, the Ohio State Buckeyes. And there is a picture of Kyle McCord handing the ball off to Marvin Harrison that is just getting all kinds of talk right now on Twitter about probably him being the next Debo. And what are they doing, doing handoffs? Um, I said something about, I don't know if I said it in our discord, but if you're not subscribed to the website, Canton to campus to Canton.com, uh, $2.99 a month, $29.99 a year gets you in the door through April 1st. And then you will be grandfathered into the $49.99 a year tier. You get access to literally everything but betting and the three free guides. So, I mean, it's, it's definitely worth the deal. Uh, but I talked a little bit about the Ohio state stuff in there. So, Everybody was getting a little bit of that, not just with Kyle McCord, but with C.J. Stroud as well. JSN, Marvin Harrison, and Emeka Agbuka in the actual order. Let me pull it up because I have the text message. Um, They were doing this in a a different set. It was JSN, Emeka, then Marvin. That was the order that they got reps working in jet sweep stuff and handoffs just to bring a new wrinkle to the offense. I don't know if they'll ever do it in a game. I think some of this is... I think it is kind of planned by Ryan Day to make sure he does this during like the media stuff to get that out there so that other teams start to plan for that. And it may at the end of the day mean nothing. But as I've said before, Marvin Harrison is going to be a mainstay in this offense. Him and JSN, I think are the only two locked in to be on the field most of the time. Then it's going to switch between Mecca, Jaden Ballard and Julian Fleming. I did want to point out, because I think this is just good for the freshmen. Um, JSN and Julian Fleming did do some special team stuff today, uh, kick returns and punt returns. But recently, Keon Graves Keon Graves, and Caleb Burton have actually been doing that. So Caleb Burton, a guy a lot of people are down on because of the injury um, in his junior season, didn't get to do much a senior year. Everybody's kind of talking about he's faded off. The fact that he's already doing stuff on special teams and punt coverage, I think, is a, is a plus plus for him. Very curious to see what he looks like at times. But again, 
Marvin Harrison, JSN, I mean, rocket ship to the moon if you can with those two guys. I posted on Twitter today, a uh, good friend of uh, of ours over at Campus of Camp, Brandon Lejeune. You can follow him at Debbie Deep Dive, has a great little thing uh, himself over uh, with the Debbie, Debbie Deep Dive stuff. And he's hosting a Debbie Summit on May 22nd, so look out for that as well. He um, posted that he thinks Marvin Harrison could be the wide receiver one next year, and I said he will be. Like, I've been sold on that. I know Austin has been saying that as well, like, Marvin Harrison, I, I've been saying for a while now, I think is the best wide receiver in his class. On over to Miami, where tight end Will Mallory is now out the rest of spring and will miss the spring game with a shoulder injury. I think this just means wheels up for Elijah Arroyo and um, Jaleel Skinner, both whom have looked good from all their practice reports that I've seen. Uh, they both stepped up and looked really promising. I still think Mallory has a role. I think he's a better blocking tight end than Arroyo. But Arroyo is extremely talented. He's an athletic freak, and I think this is a chance now for him to really kind of take that starting job away from Will Mallory. Now, Miami's produced some pretty good tight ends. Maybe at the end of the day, none of this stuff matters, but I still have both Mallory and Arroyo ranked fairly highly. And the fact that Mallory is going to miss the rest of spring and Arroyo and Skinner are now getting a run there, I do think could be wheels up for Arroyo if he does impress. Going down to Houston... If you guys follow me, you saw me tweet the video out, or retweet, uh, Fusu Fu tweeted out a video of M Matthew Golden, freshman wide receiver at Houston, running routes against some DBs and looking absolutely amazing. That's all I wanted to say. He's amazing. He is an incredible wide receiver. He is my wide receiver six, I think, now in the freshman class. He's going to absolutely smash for you in CFF. And I think he's going to bring back Debbie value and C2C. I have no doubt this kid's going to get drafted. I, I The fact that he chose Houston is interesting to me. I don't think that he's going to be there all three years, though. He's going to hit so good at, at Houston, at least in year one, possibly two years. He's going to probably move to a Power 5 school. Matthew Golden's got it all, and he's already showing um, in practices against DBs that he is all that. Last but not least, we're going to go over to UTEP, where, and I cannot say this kid's name. I'm going to attempt it, and I apologize, uh, but I will spell it for you after I attempt his name. Kelly Akaria, he is a Juco transfer, is really impressing in UTEP camp. Possibly the Cowing replacement, I don't know. We'll see. Cowing was really good for them, produced very highly. I don't know that he's going to be that good, but there's a lot of talk about how good he's looking in camp. And to spell his name, it is Kelly, K-E-L-L-Y, and then A-K-H-A-R-A-I-Y-I. Juco transfer, really impressing at UTEP camp, so maybe a, a name to look out for. And last but not least, I just want to throw this out there because I got a little um, insider information on this. So I talked recently about how Memphis – um, they're talking about this as a quarterback battle between Grant Cannell and, and Seth Hennigan. And a lot of people were surprised by that because of how good Seth Hennigan was. I think people forget like when Grant Cannell came over there, for the most part, he was practically locked into that job. He did suffer an injury last year that cost him the entire season, but word is he's back in a hundred percent and even better. And he's out there slinging it. He does have a connection to Ryan Silverfield as well. I would not be surprised if Gannell wins this job. And I'm really starting to lean that way with what he can do with his arm. Like, again, don't get me wrong. Seth Hennigan is, is an incredible quarterback. And I feel like when I say that I'm shitting on him, I'm not. He is very good. But he doesn't have the arm that Gannell has. I would not be surprised if Gannell wins this job and ends up, you know, producing pretty high value. And it would be great for me because I'm a big Grant Cannell fan. But uh, 
just a little inside information on that. He is back fully healthy, and it is a full-on competition for what I'm told. It is not a lip service competition like Caleb Williams, Miller Moss. This is a full-on competition. So we'll see who wins that. I'll be rooting for Grant Gannell if I'm being honest, but that will do it for us today. (coughs) Excuse me. We do have a spring game tomorrow, San Jose State. I will definitely check that out. We can report back on that on Monday. Um, Not a lot of of CFF or C2C guys on there, but we'll still talk about it just in case anybody pops. Outside of that, we'll be back on Monday as more and more schools, the rest of schools are, are in spring practice by next week. And then at that point, we are close to, I believe, 10 days by the 30th. We are 10 days away from like, tons of schools, ton of the big name schools on, on April 9th. I believe there's 20 schools that have their spring games. So we're getting closer and closer to getting some real, real information here from a lot of these teams. And then we're going to see how many of these guys hit the transfer portal. I think it's going to be big here toward the end of April. So we'll definitely stay on top of that. We'll probably, I will probably not stop doing these videos until all the spring games have been played and Probably a little bit after that, just as like an update on Transfer Portal stuff. But until then, everybody, have yourselves a great weekend. Make sure to watch out. I don't I don't know who, but someone may be at the Elite 11 this weekend in Dallas covering that. So I will talk to you guys again soon.